Hi, I'm Connie Loises. And this is Alex Gove. And this is Strictly VC Download. Happy Friday. We hope you are in for a great weekend and week. Out here, we're waiting on some friends to come over along with yet another atmospheric storm. I think this is going to be our third in the last two weeks. Alex and I are hoping this is a little less intense than the first one, which saw something like 14 inches fall in the Bay Area and had us frantically trying to scoop rainwater out of our garage for half a day. It was like an episode of Survivor, except we were just two dopes in our own house with galoshes and buckets. And after a while, we just went inside and cooked pizza and hoped for the best. The good news, I think, slash hope, is that we will get some great weather this coming Thursday for Strictly VC's only in-person outdoor event of 2021 in San Francisco's Mission District. We're so excited to see those of you who are coming. We should note that we are at capacity at this point, but if you don't have a ticket, don't fret. We will likely be organizing another of these in the first few months of next year, and we would love to see you there. Now on to a few of this week's news stories, followed by a quick interview with guest Greg Paulin, the founder and CEO of a startup called Goodly, whose time may have come. In one story this week, Business Insider reported that a succession plan and generational transition is underway at one of Silicon Valley's oldest and most respected venture firms, Sequoia Capital, with Rulof Botha in the U.S. and Neil Shen in China taking up the mantle as the firm's newest leaders. The report isn't a surprise. Shen has long been the top boss in China, and Botha is already the firm's U.S. managing head. This is really about the retirement of Doug Leone, the global head of the firm, who was long running the show with Michael Moritz after they were passed the reins by firm founder Don Valentine. What's sort of interesting here is that these partners never actually seem to leave, except in extreme situations, as with one partner who was elbowed out in 2017 after his extramarital affairs turned very toxic very publicly and he became a liability to the firm. Even after Valentine stepped back, for example, he continued to show up for Monday morning meetings for a decade. After Michael Moritz stepped back in 2012, citing illness, he stuck around, and he's currently on the boards of Klarna, Stripe, and Instacart, along with seven other companies. After Jim Getz stepped back in 2017, saying it was time to, quote, pay it forward, and that he was giving up his role as a steward of the firm and handing it to Botha, he stuck around, and he's currently working with seven companies on their boards. You can imagine that even when Leone steps away, he won't be going very far. Hopefully, Botha and Shen won't mind the continued company. Surely, they must be expecting it. In other news, earlier this week, 13 Loon, a direct-to-consumer beauty platform that was launched last year in L.A. with $1 million in seed funding from Diddy, Gwyneth Paltrow, and beauty counter founder Greg Renfrew, announced $3 million in additional seed funding. We might not normally pause on this kind of development, especially in a market where dozens of startups are announcing funding every day, but this deal stood out for a few reasons beyond its celebrity backing. First, its co-founder is Nikeo Grieco, a veteran of the cosmetics industry who earlier launched a skincare brand that she sold to Sundial Brands, which is now part of Unilever. Her new e-commerce platform sells products from 100 different brands, 90% of which were founded by Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And the outfit leading the financing is Fearless Fund, a venture firm that was founded by women of color and is making its mark by focusing exclusively on backing women of color. Also interesting, a tie-up with JCPenney that immediately gives 13 Loon the kind of reach that most nascent startups can only dream about. 
JCPenney long partnered with Sephora, but Sephora's contract with JCPenney is expiring in 2023, and it chose not to renew, leaving the retailer, which last year survived going bankrupt, with space to fill. Going into those spots now are in-store JCPenney beauty shops, and 13 Loon is a very big part of that offering, with 10 locations already up and running and plans for 600 more locations by the end of 2023. Put together, the pieces add up to what 13 Loon is characterizing persuasively as among the first truly inclusive beauty platforms. In fact, we wouldn't be surprised if, as has become routine, 13 Loon is soon talking with investors about its next round of funding. But in a longer conversation earlier this week, Grieco insisted that that's the last thing she wants to do right now. She knows too well how the cycle works. I definitely am not interested in raising any more money at this current point. And I don't want to be on a venture hamster wheel. We got asked a lot in this round, why are you not raising more money? And I think we've seen this trend, especially here in US businesses, where you're constantly seeing these businesses that are raising 10 to get to 10, raising 20 to get to 20, raising 50 to get to 50. And we wanted to raise enough that we could give the support that we need to our team, be able to support our private label development, as well as grow the company, but do it in a way that we're not just feeling like, We're on a venture hamster wheel. Kevin Roos has a great piece in today's New York Times about NFT NYC, a conference held in New York this week focused on non-fungible tokens. The 5,000-plus strong gathering was the talk of the town and may have inspired Eric Adams, New York's mayor-elect, to take his first three paychecks in Bitcoin. Adams appeared to be trying to one-up Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, who said on Tuesday that he would be taking his next paycheck 100% in Bitcoin. In the piece, Roos describes the conference week as an orgy of parties, or what one wag termed a crypto Coachella. Ken Bosak, an NFT collector from Philadelphia, even compared NFT NYC to Woodstock. Still, despite all of the flash and dazzle of this week's event, Roos writes that the smart money seems to be looking past NFTs to Web3, a decentralized backbone for applications that runs on public blockchains, not corporate servers. One NFT NYC party in Brooklyn embodied the Web3 ethos. In order to gain entrance, partygoers had to show that they owned the currency of Friends with Benefits, a leaderless crypto club known as a Decentralized Autonomous Organization, or DAO. I paid $600 to go to this party, a man in line told Roos after he learned that the party was too crowded and he would not be able to get in. Oh well, he concluded, at least the token might go up. Up next, our interview with Greg Powlin of Goodly. But first, a word from our sponsor. Forge the future of space exploration at TechCrunch Session Space, a two-day virtual event on December 14th and 15th with the startups, researchers, investors, and technologists making science fiction our science reality. We're talking space SPACs, in-space maneuvering technologies, and the people who are funding it all. We're inviting the first 20 Strictly VC listeners to register for free at techcrunch.com forward slash space using promo code STRICTLYVC. Hope to see you there.
And now our interview with Greg Powlin, the founder and CEO of Goodly, a three-year-old San Francisco-based startup that's been steadily building its business with a five-person team and not much funding. $1.5 million secured in 2019 and more recently, an undisclosed amount of funding from Beth Axelrod, a longtime HR exec and the global head of employee experience at Airbnb. The startup, which aims to make it dead simple for companies to offer tax-free student loan repayment as an employee benefit, is profitable. It has exclusive relationships with numerous brokers, including insurer NFP and the much larger Willis Towers Watson. Still, its product wasn't exactly top of mind during the pandemic, but that may be changing for two reasons. Here's that interview. Craig, it's great to have you here today. You had reached out to me this week, and I have to say, I have not paid a whole lot of attention to student loan repayment. And your company sounds interesting to me. I realize it's been around for a little bit, but it sounds like there was a law that was passed not that long ago, which is potentially a game changer in the space. But before we get to all of that, tell us a little bit about your background and how it came to pass that you started this company. Absolutely. And thanks so much for, for having me and, and excited to connect. My co-founder, Hamant Verma, and I really started Goodly from my own personal experience with student loans. When I was in school, my father passed away very unexpectedly after having a heart attack. So to pay for school at Dartmouth, I had to borrow $80,000 in student loans. And then I moved out here to San Francisco to start working as one of the first employees for another HR and employee benefits company called Rippling, back when we were working out of their founder, Parker Conrad's basement in the Mission District here in San Francisco. And that opportunity gave me the chance to meet my co-founder. And after about two years at Rippling, we started kicking around ways where we could apply our domain expertise to solving student loan crisis. It's really challenging for a lot of folks to do things like save for retirement, let alone save to purchase a home or, or start a family, particularly for people like myself, where my monthly payment is now over $900 a month. So we came up with this idea just by reaching out to a lot of HR professionals and employee benefits professionals that we knew and just looking for their advice around, is this a benefit that they would be interested in offering for their employees? And, and what would that product look like? And what we found was that there was a huge demand for things like employer-sponsored student loan repayment, but there really weren't any good tools on the market for companies to be able to offer these solutions. So we quit our jobs at Rippling and, and have been off to the races since then. By off to the races, it looks like one of your first stops was with Y Combinator. Is that correct? That's right. So we were part of the summer batch at Y Combinator in 2018. And so we launched the company right after we finished YC in the fall of 2018. Great. And it seems to make even more sense now because there was an act enacted. I don't know if it was late last year, early this year, that allows employers to make tax-free contributions of up to $5,250 a year to their employees' student debt without the payments being included in the employee's taxable income. Is this a watershed moment or is that just sort of a nice development along your entrepreneurial path? This has been a huge driver for growth, and it's really been the most important legislative change to employee benefits since 1978, when Congress passed legislation to allow for 401ks and retirement accounts. And specifically, what this legislation does, and it was a provision within the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, is it allows employers to contribute up to an annual maximum of $5,250 per employee to repaying student debt. And those contributions from the company are both tax deductible for employers, but also excluded from taxable income for employees. Uh, so it just gives the company a much larger financial incentive to provide these benefits because they can do it at a much lower cost to the company. It's great that there's some amount that they contribute this way, but it is still a fairly small amount. That's right. For the average company that, that we work with, we usually see around $100 per participant per month being the most common contribution. 
which comes out to be about the cost of a cup of coffee per day. But one of the reasons that these benefits are so impactful is that if you're a user of Goodly, you're still responsible for your regular monthly payment. And then using Goodly software, we take that employer contribution and we apply it as a secondary payment directly to the principal of the student loan with the goal of both helping the employee pay off the loan, but also help save on the compounding interest over the lifetime of the loan. So for the average college graduate today, the typical repayment period is about 10 years. And we can reduce that by about 30 to 40%, which cuts off about three to four years of student loan repayment for the borrower, of course, depending on their outstanding balance when they start that repayment. But when you can go to recent hires or recent job candidates and offer them a job where you can help reduce their student loan term by about 30%, of course, it can be hugely compelling for things like recruiting and retention efforts, which is top of mind for every company in today's economy as well. Sure, absolutely. No, I, I think everyone I talk with these days talks about employee retention. I had seen there's another company that does what you do or something similar called Future Fuel that was founded in 2016 and this year closed on some additional Series 1 funding. It's raised about $22 million. And I think what's interesting about this is a number of its investors, Fiserv, Salesforce, UPS, are using its platform and offering it to its clients and employees. Is that a tactic that you're taking? Oh, absolutely. We work with a number of really interesting angels. We haven't previously announced, but we just brought on as a strategic investor, Beth Axelrod. And Beth was previously the CHRO at Airbnb and eBay. And she also coined the term more for talent in a book that she co-authored. So she's been a great strategic and value add for our company, just in terms of making introductions to companies. Because one of the things that we found in, in one of our main goals with Goodly is really just create awareness that these types of benefits exist and are available both to job seekers and student loan borrowers. Because we still talk to companies and employees every day that aren't aware that these types of solutions exist and that they can help to offer these repayment terms. And particularly in a very competitive hiring economy, because for most Americans and most student loan borrowers, student loans are the number one blocker to financial freedom that they'll face. And in a lot of ways, it really creates a two-tiered workplace where employees with student loans are in a lot of ways, second-class citizens, because by the age of 30, employees with student debt hold about half the retirement savings of their peers without student loans. Student loan borrowers have delayed home ownership, getting married, and having children, Mm -hmm. specifically because of their debt. And so a lot of employers have started to recognize that and are helping their workers mitigate the crushing cycle of student debt by increasingly turning to things like student loan repayment to help support the recruiting and retention initiatives as well. This is obviously a B2B product, but is there also a direct-to-consumer offering? Right now, it's it's strictly B2B. We are looking at different consumer products, particularly for employees that might be a goodly user and then leave the organization and, and how they can continue to manage their student loans through our platform. One of the things that our core focus has been employer contributions because it provides something that's not available to consumers otherwise. The only way you can repay student debt as if that contribution is coming from the company. So we've been really focused on employer contributions and having the best product on the market for that. Mm-hmm. But employees can also manage and track all their student loans from our dashboard. So each user of Goodly will have their own account on our platform. And when they sign up, they'll just sync their student loans to Goodly and we verify all that information for the employer. So first and foremost, making sure that each employee is connecting an active student loan that's eligible to participate in the program from a compliance perspective. But from there, employees can also access things like financial wellness counseling. They can also access different financial wellness content that's specifically curated for student loan borrowers around financial wellness and best strategies for optimizing your repayment. But we also offer a number of other features. One really popular feature is the ability for employees to invite their friends or family to make a contribution towards their student loan. And it functions somewhat similar to crowdfunding your student loan payments in that you could have, say, your parents, your grandparents, 
making a one-time or recurring contribution. And of course, the contributor or family member has the peace of mind that payment is being directed to the student loan and not spent on anything else as well. You have a relatively small staff at this point. So how are you messaging to them that this product is available and in the market? We've done a lot around both cold email in terms of reaching out directly to employers, but we also have a really robust partner network where we work directly with employee benefits brokers and advisors. Often a lot of companies, when they make their benefits purchasing decision, will work with an outside consultant, either as a benefits advisor or broker, and they'll go to those organizations and say, we're looking at offering a student loan benefit. Who should we be talking to? Or they might be saying, what are the hot new benefits trends that we should be considering this year? So we do a lot of outreach and rely on a lot of our brokers Mm -hmm. to send us referrals. And then we just provide a rev share for any clients they provide to us. In most cases, there'll be a rev share. So is your biggest competition bonuses and just higher salaries? Because I think it's probably easier in some ways for companies to communicate to people that you're going to be getting this much money. And so you can pay your student debt faster, et cetera, versus here's this great student repayment platform that we offer. You certainly could provide a bonus. Of course, the challenge with that is it's not tax advantaged and the Mm -hmm. employee would have to pay payroll taxes on that. But we've also started to see, I think, a lot of employers recognizing that if they do require a college degree as a prerequisite for employment, that they should play some role in helping to repay their workers' student loans, particularly if the organization and the company has a tax incentive to do so. The company can also write off these expenses as tax deduction at the end of the year mm-hmm. in most cases. So it can be more advantageous for the company to offer it in a tax-advantaged way. But there are about six out of 10 jobs that require education beyond high school. And so a lot of organizations are saying that if we're going to be the direct beneficiary of this employee's education, and that education requires them to take out substantial student loan debt, that's holding them back from other aspects of their achieving their financial goals, that we should use this tax break to help repay their student loans as well. And a lot of that's also been driven by demand for employees. There's a recent study of a thousand employers in the US of all sizes that found that student loan repayment assistance ranked second among benefits that employers are looking to add over the next 12 to 18 months as well. Interesting. Well, so I'm sure you get asked this all the time, and I don't know if it's clear whether Joe Biden, who talked about canceling student debt, or at least writing off, what, like $10,000 worth of debt when he was campaigning for president, has the authority to cancel student debt or if he's willing to use that authority, but obviously it's in the air. How do you operate your business knowing this, or do you operate assuming that debt cancellation is a complete long shot that's never going to impact your business. It's not something we view as as impacting our business because at this point, it's clear that widespread student loan cancellation is not going to happen. Shortly before his inauguration, Joe Biden specifically called on Congress to forgive $10,000 for each student loan bar and said that he'd prefer that Congress does that with legislation. Some Democrats in Congress think that they can essentially tweet away a student loan debt, but the reality is that Congress has taken no action on student loan forgiveness. And the Biden administration has been focused on reforming the existing student lending system and has really moved away from blanket student loan cancellation. The other piece that's really important to note is that a one-time debt jubilee is not a long-term solution. And it's something that really just kicks the can further down the road. And so the Department of Education has been extremely clear that all student loan borrowers will be resuming their payments in early 2022 when the federal forbearance period ends. But today we see about 70% of student loan borrowers that are graduating with debt when they leave college. And so we are, as a country, expected to add about another net new trillion dollars in outstanding student loan debt just by 2028. So even if there was some level of student loan forgiveness today, there's going to be a huge need and demand for these products further down the road. So it sounds like your timing is great. Is this a really tough sale? 
So I think the biggest thing is creating awareness. And we still talk to companies every day that aren't aware uh, these types of solutions exist. So certainly creating awareness. Uh, The other piece is that during the pandemic, even when this was a taxable benefit, we saw a very, very steady growth. And then that definitely slowed down during the pandemic. There was that period right in March, 2020, when everyone thought the economy was going to collapse and everyone was very focused on layoffs and how do we transition to a a remote first workforce. There was definitely low priority. Exactly. And because federal student loan forbearance suspended payments, 90% of student loan borrowers weren't required to be making their regular payments. So it was deprioritized, I think, for a lot of companies. And there was this focus on how do we prepare our employees to be successful in a work from home environment? And then mental health also became a really, really hot trend within employers. And a lot of companies really make their benefits purchasing decisions based off of benchmarking. So they're looking at what are other similar types of employers that are providing these benefits and what do we need to be providing to remain competitive from a recruiting and retention perspective? And one of the things that we've been able to really capitalize on during the pandemic, even when growth slowed down a little bit during the first part of the pandemic in 2020, was making student loan benefits tax-free. And that's been a big catalyst and really a watershed moment for driving engagement and participation with these types of programs. And I think a lot of employers have come to recognize that student loan forgiveness is also not going to happen. It's something that would come up from time to time. But one thing that we've seen, particularly with the most recent legislation around infrastructure and reconciliation bill in Congress, mm-hmm. is that just the sheer cost of that bill, which is about $1.7 trillion, has divided not only Congress, but the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And widespread student loan cancellation could be more expensive than that at a total of $1.8 trillion, depending on the level of student loan debt that, that's forgiven. So mm-hmm. it's something that I think a lot of employers are starting to recognize that student loan cancellation is not going to happen. Forbearance period is ending in January, and they now have this tax incentive to provide this benefit. So it's getting to the point now where the stars have really started to align mm-hmm. in terms of the number of companies and the types of companies that are providing these solutions as well. Are you seeing a lot of upstarts enter into the space? No. As far as I know, there's not another company that has come onto the scene or started in this space since Goodly. Typically, a lot of larger companies tend to partner with other groups like Goodly and others to help distribute products rather than building these solutions in-house. But we haven't seen any new startups in the space that are providing student loan benefits or doing what Goodly's doing. Okay. Well, that's good for you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's been something that I think in a lot of ways almost has a level of network effects because a lot of companies do look to other organizations, similar teams are doing it. And the thing that's really challenging, I think, about starting a company in B2B and benefits is that you get a lot of questions early on about how long have you been in business, security, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then they always want to talk to referenceable clients. So clients that are both similar industry, similar market segment in terms of number of employees Mm -hmm. that they can talk to about a reference in their experience. So I think there's a very difficult space to break into. But then once you do have a strong foothold in the space, it's very easy to expand within that. And one thing we've done really well over the last few years is locking up exclusive partnerships with a lot of benefits brokers and advisors so that they do have their clients that are coming to them looking for a solution. They're funneling a lot of that business directly to us here at Goodly as well. And so it really creates a moat and barrier to entry for a new potential entrance because they can get cut off from that existing supply of benefits brokers channels as a distribution strategy as well. Okay, Greg, that was really nice catching up with you and learning about what you're working on. It sounds really interesting. I appreciate your time. You as well. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Yes, thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.